Are we ready to go, mate? Let's do it. All right. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Formula America podcast. You know, some say, I'm going to get my best Jeremy Clarkson voice on, some say that the Formula (laughs) America podcast is all tuna, no crush. (laughs) I don't know. That's, That's what they say. Some say it. It might be us to say that, but somebody said it. Uh, but anyways, welcome Paul back Walker to the Formula. Said it. Oh, RIP. <laughs> welcome back to the Formula America podcast, the Formula One podcast for the American fan by the American fan. Uh, we're your hosts. I'm Kurt. That's Dylan. I'm Dylan. A, that's I'm Dylan. I'm Dylan. <laughs> and today we have a pretty awesome episode for you guys. Um, Dylan, why don't you go ahead and enlighten the beautiful people on what we're going to be talking about today? Yeah, we're just going to hit up like two main topics. We're going to go over an FIA regulation change, which would be kind of interesting. Just side note, good conversation piece. And then we're going to get some unpopular opinions. Pretty excited for that. I'm pumped for that. So the unpopular opinions is always something that raises a lot of uh, uh, temperatures, I'll say. Um, I know I've got a, a couple that are pretty unpopular that I don't think I've ever shared in public before. So I'm excited for Ooh. those. But uh, we'll see what happens. We also but, got some submissions that we asked for, which are pretty interesting. We'll go over some of those as well and talk about them. Oh, yeah. But first off, man, I don't know about you, but these past few weeks without Formula One have starting, are starting to drive me pretty crazy. I'm, yeah. The other day, I actually broke out my old Xbox One because I have like Forza 5 or Forza 6 on it, <laughs> and I restarted a career just so I could have some sort of racing, but it's... There's so many races these year or these days that it's like once they're gone, you you like realize how much of a role that actually played in your week. Yeah, it's a total habit forming. Like Sunday mornings, I enjoy waking up to Formula One, like because it's almost always in Europe, so it's always on mm-hmm. at like eight a.m. So I wake up first thing in the morning, cup of coffee, Formula One. Like, yep, I do absolutely miss that. Um, I can't, yeah, I can't I've, wait I've, for that on to come Instagram. Back. I clicked on like one of the Instagram ads for the simulators. Mm-hmm. And now it shows all the ads for simulators. And I'm like, oh, I want one. <laughs> I think my wife would murder me. I'd just sit over here and sit in the simulator and play. Uh, that'd be funny. Get one of those like actual badass ones that have like the full motion and everything. Yeah. All right. Give me- all right. Well, Kurt, go ahead and kick it off. FIA regulation change across all, right. all of racing. All right, hold on, pause. Let me. Oh, I can actually mark the clip here. All right. Okay, so for those that don't know, last week the FIA uh, came out with some new regulation changes. And these aren't, you know, it's not just for Formula One. These changes basically apply to all of the championships that the FIA governs, which is a ton of different ones. Um, But. You know, this is this one's kind of I don't know how I feel about this one, right? I, I could see it from both sides. So I'll read over the two changes that they made and then we'll kind of discuss, you know, what that means and the potential impacts there. Um so twelve point two point one point in, right? The way they do their regulations. Anyways, it says that the general making and display of political, religious, and personal statements or comments, notably in violation of the general principle of neutrality promoted by the FIA under its statutes, unless previously approved in writing by the FIA for international competitions 
or by the relevant ASN for national competitions within their jurisdiction. Oh, okay. And there's one more point. Failure to comply with the instructions of the FIA regarding the appointment and participation of persons during official ceremonies at any competition counting towards a FIA championship. Wow. So basically what this means, layman's terms. So I'm basically calling this the Sebastian Vettel rule, right? Um, Because we all know, especially towards the end of Sebastian Vettel's career, he started to get pretty uh, political. Um, as does uh, Lewis Hamilton, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, if you if you think back to some of the statements that they've made or some of the, the shirts that they've worn specifically, um, the one thing that really comes to mind is Lewis Hamilton. I don't know the race, but on the podium, he wore a shirt that said, arrest the police that killed Breonna Taylor. Do you remember that one? Yeah, I did. Okay. I thought, it, and I think the back said like "Free Brianna Taylor" or something. Like, yeah, but yeah. I remember that's. It was specifically about that. It was a big black T-shirt. He immediately mm-hmm. threw over his race suit. Yep. Um, to get up on the podium with exactly, and so it's those type of political statements, and you know, not just those, but any type of political statements that the FIA is trying to cut down on. Um, the way I understand it, from what I'm reading, is that the only way, like, if you want, say, Lewis wants to wear a shirt or wants to make a statement of any type, he has to put it in uh, for submission or submit it to the FIA and put it in for approval. And they have to basically give written approval that they are allowing him or anybody else to make that statement. I think it's interesting that the the regulation didn't just say political statements, political, religious, personal, all Mm -hmm. that, like it kind of went all encompassing. And I think that's, I mean, there's pros and cons to both of, uh, you know, it's always, a bit of gray. It's not totally black and white in there. Um, right. I, I get, you know, the, the FIA is a international, um, re- organization. Um, I, I think, you know, we've seen with the world cup recently with a lot of the things that Qatar did with, um, gay pride, LGBTQ with the drinking in general, you know, cutting off all alcohol sales. Um, you know, there's a ton of outspokenness about that. Um, you know, right or wrong, not going there, just saying there's a lot of stuff around it. I think they're really trying to curb a lot of the political statements and trying to keep it to pure racing, which I'm not against, but I don't know if making a general blanket statement like that is also the best move. Right. So the way I look at it though, is it's like for the FIA to put that out, basically now every political statement that is made has either been approved or has been approved by the FIA, right? So almost by doing that, by approving or denying a statement, they're almost picking a side on that stance, I feel like. Because if they allow any sort of statement to get through that they approve, then it kind of shows that the FIA, you know, approves that that message. You know, the only way I see this going um, and not completely blowing up is if the FIA internally kind of makes a a pact that they're either going to deny every statement or approve every statement. Otherwise, they're picking sides. I, I totally agree. And I mean, my personal opinion on that is to deny all political statements. Like, just don't go there. Mm-hmm. No one, we don't want to hear about what you thought on U.S. politics are, German politics, U.K., you know, wherever you're from, wherever you're racing for, whatever's like most of us are watching this entertainment for sport, for the racing, um, not really looking to get into the politics of, of what it is that you want to talk about. Um and so I kind of sit on the side of like for, for pure politics, I, I'm fine. Just deny them all. Like, right. I don't, I, I don't really care about that. 
personal statements, religious statements. You know, we Sebastian Vettel, Sebastian Vettel was getting very political at the end of it, but also like in a very kind of independent way of like, hey, we want to do things better. Hey, we want to improve this. Hey, this is what I'm going to go do for humanitarian aid. Hey, here's a foundation I want to start. Like, I didn't have any issues with that kind of stuff. Like, it, it wasn't biased. It wasn't um, bad-mouthing anybody. It was just saying, this is something I want to do in my off time. And it's like, cool, okay. Um, that's kind of whatever. It, it was all very generally positive. I, never, I don't think I ever watched anything where Vettel was straight up bashing any side or people or anything. Yeah. I could, I could see them doing that too. Like if it even skirts anywhere near the realm of political, it's getting denied, you know, otherwise yeah. maybe they'll have a little bit more leeway, but I just thought it was interesting that, you know, they put that out and, you know, on the surface, it looks like it's kind of crazy, but it, we'll see how, you know, how they apply it. Yeah. It'll be interesting. Um, I wonder if that, I hope that also applies to like the hosting venues. Again, going back to Qatar World Cup stuff. Yeah. Um, hopefully that, you know, it's not just against drivers and whatnot, but like, hey, venues, this is for racing. Like, don't get into your countries, your beliefs, all that good stuff. Like, keep this about racing. Exactly. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. Well. That's the uh, the only real news that came out from F1 last week. So let's move on from there and get to something a little more fun. Unpopular opinions. So unpopular opinions. So what we did here is we came up with some of our own unpopular opinions, but we also put it out to the community on Facebook and got a ton of responses on there. And the the range of some of those responses is pretty crazy and pretty entertaining. So we're going to uh, break into a few of those, too. Um, we'll go over ours and then break into a few of those on Facebook and kind of discuss them. Some of them got some pretty good points. Some of them are pretty outlandish, though. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I'm excited for those. Reading over them before this was was entertaining, and then some of them, though, you are like, huh? Right. Not yeah. That point. Yeah, like it makes sense. So Kurt and I kept ours pure. We've got a couple each. We have not shared each other's to each other. Um, so we're going to talk about those, and then we'll get into the the. Uh, submissions and then we'll talk you know he and i've read over those but um we haven't really discussed them at all so we'll kind of discuss those live all right all right well then kurt this episode was all your idea you've been ecstatic about it for the past week why don't you start <laughs> us off with your first unpopular opinion okay I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with the big one right off the bat right so my first unpopular opinion and please don't send me hate mail for this dylan but <laughs> Lance Stroll is not that bad of a driver. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and so with each of these, I'll, I'll give my opinion, and then I will give some supporting uh, information to kind of hopefully prove or at least give you a little more ammo so that you can either agree or disagree with me at the end. Right? So, again, Lance Stroll is not that bad of a driver, and here's why, right? I think that Lance Stroll, he's had some moments where he's he's shown a little promise, right? Now, then again, I, I say that and I caveat it with he's had a ton of moments, high-profile moments, where he's made some absolute bonehead decisions. It's just ab like late moves, just sometimes seeming, yeah, like almost like he's doing it on purpose, you know, sometimes. But I think that comes down to one reason, right? I think that 
Lance Stroll doesn't have the constant pressure to perform and succeed that the other drivers do, right? Because his dad owns the team. He's not going anywhere. You know, whether he wins the race or comes in last place, he still is going to have a seat next year. I, I don't, I would be interested to see, you know, what their internal conversations between him and his father are. So to see kind of what the, the, the hard line in the sand is like, Hey Lance, if you do this, you're out, you know, I don't know if there's much, you know, that he could do to lose his seat. So because of that, I don't think he has the the pressure on him to continually perform and succeed. And I think he gets complacent because of that. He knows he's going to keep driving. He knows he's going to be there next year. Right. And so looking over at his, at some of his stats, you know, six years in F1, he's got 122 starts. He's got, you know, zero first places, zero second places, but he does have three, three place finishes or third place finishes. Um, you know, I, it doesn't go over how many accidents he's caused, which I'm sure is probably his highest number. But I, I think that as far as drivers go, there's probably worse drivers on the grid. And I think that if he were to move on and actually have to kind of face the music for his performance, I think that he might be able to step it up and be a little bit better. So that's my first unpopular opinion. Dylan, do you agree or disagree? I agree with your reasoning. I don't think Lance Stroll is a bad driver. Whether he's earned the seat or not, I think is is very subjective because, like you said, there's other people that we can agree that probably haven't earned their seat in a car either. So I'm not going to go there. I do 100% agree with you that he does not have the pressure like Sergio Perez does, like Carlos Sainz does, like Daniel Rick um, like a lot of those people, he knows he's going to have a seat there. I'm sure as an A-type personality, as a competitor at the highest level, the guy absolutely wants to win and has a drive to do so. Um, but there is not that external pressure. Um, would you say he has a drive to survive? I would say, hey, <laughs> no, no, I wouldn't. <laughs> Some of his actions have been kind of counterintuitive to survival. Um, so I'll agree with you. He's not a bad driver. He's not a great driver. He's never going to be a world champion, in my opinion. But he's not terrible. Okay. But I, I agree with your reasoning, though, 100%. He does not have that external pressure like that. Okay. All right. Well, let's hear uh, one of your unpopular opinions. What do you got? So I'm just going to I'm gonna blow it up just out of the gate on this oh, one. Oh, no. Lewis should have won the 2021 world championship. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> and oh, man. and let, let me let me talk a little bit on this. The world championship is never decided in a single race. It is an entire season. It is 23 races. It is an entire team. It is car upgrades. It is budget. It is mechanics. It is pit stops. There is so much that goes into it. So if we take the entirety of the season for what it was, we went into... Abu Dhabi in the last race, dead tight on points, down to the half point. And that race was winner takes all. And I think Michael Massey did a call for spectators and for entertainment, but that cost Lewis the championship. Lewis was light years ahead of Max yep. in that race. The car was untouchable. If it wasn't for, I believe it was Latifi it, it that was. crashed out. 
with like five laps to go, even if Latifi did crash out, it should have finished under a yellow flag. Right. It, it was a very one-sided, like we can get into all the past stuff, but no one incident ever decides a world championship in a vacuum. Michael Massey made a call that cost Lewis, Lewis Hamilton, his eighth title. I, I will say that I completely agree. And I think that, you know, you and I are both Red Bull fans, both Max Verstappen fans, but I agree. And I remember, you know, watching that live when it happened, like everybody could see it, you know, once they said that these cars can pass, those cars got to stay behind. You knew Max was there, brand new softs. Lewis was there, old hards. They were never going to be able, he was never going to be able to compete at that point. And you, you even heard it on the radio. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and it's like, just, it's one of those things where it, as soon as it, it finished, I was ecstatic, but I was also like, not like this, not this way. Yeah. Um, and, you, and I think Toto hit it perfectly on his call to Michael Massey. He was just like, he's like, don't do this. Mm -hmm. Like, this isn't right. Don't do this. And I was like, man, that's, that's kind of the exact words for this. This isn't right. Like the guys on the radio, I think it was Lance Stroll um, was like, Hey, you know, only these lap cars are going to pass. You're not going to. And he was like, huh, that seems a little bit unfair. Yeah. Like, yes. Well, um, you know, somebody had so, to say it and I'm glad you said it. Yeah. I agree though. I, I went there. All right. I don't think it would have changed this season. I think, no. you know, Max Verstappen still would have been a world champion this year, all of that. But 2021, I think was a little, uh, I think that was. Yep. I agree with you. All right, so on to my uh, second unpopular opinion. This one, I don't know how unpopular. I think it's from what I've heard, it, it's, it should be a little unpopular. But my second unpopular opinion is that Fernando Alonso made the right call by going to Aston Martin. So the reason I say that, right, is when you look at um, everything that Aston Martin is doing, recently they put out a video on YouTube uh, going over their new facility that they're building. It's a $200 million facility they're building there at Silverstone. Um, and they outline kind of Lawrence Stroll's plan for the team, which started last year, 2021. He outlined a five-year plan to make Aston Martin a championship contender, right? And so they started, you know, part of this plan was they're going to build a brand new factory. <clears throat> a lot of it has like communal workspaces it's all about you know bringing the team together making everybody happy um they said they brought in a lot of the mechanics and engineers from the actual race team in the construction design phase of the building to make sure everything flows properly to make sure everything is is where it needs to be to be more conducive to creativity essentially um they're going to have their own in-house wind tunnel which right now they're using mercedes wind tunnel um it's just everything on paper, when you hear the idea, it makes sense. They're pulling in big names from other teams. Um, they brought in a guy named Dan Fallows as their technical director. He's a former Red Bull employee. Um, so they're, they're doing a lot. So when I say that, I, Fernando Alonso made the right call by going. For one, you know he's getting paid a lot of money to go over there. You know, they need somebody with experience. And Lawrence Stroll, you know, thought that was going to be Seb. You know, Seb left. So, you know, he's, you know, paying a lot of money to get Fernando over there. Um, yeah. But also with all the future upgrades and potential with that team, you can see that they're actually, if everything goes to plan in a few years, they're going to be a really good team and they're going to make leaps and bounds. You know, they're going to progress, you know, a lot more than they have been in the past few years. So that unpopular opinion is that 
Fernando Alonso made the right call by choosing uh, Aston Martin over Alpine. I agree with you. My only caveat is how many years does Fernando have left in the sport? That's true. Does he have another four years? He doesn't show any signs of slowing down. I don't know, man. We'll see. Maybe he'll maybe he'll get there and help you kind of lay the foundation. And then as he slides out, they'll bring somebody else in. Maybe he'll step off or step out to more of a technical role or who knows. But I think he's going to be yeah. fundamental in helping them lay the groundwork for this new uh, team and everything moving forward. I agree with that. And I see Alpine kind of sliding backwards. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you're not wrong. Okay. What else you got? You cannot compare drivers of different periods. What'd you say? You cannot compare drivers of different periods. So like the, the debate where everybody's like, is Lewis or is Max the greatest ever or Michael Schumacher and all that. Right. All right. So what's your supporting yeah. argument on that one? Um, mine largely is down to the technical aspect. Um, we can get into personality types. I mean, um, you know, the difference in the level of athlete of today versus, you know, James Hunt smoking cigarettes and, you know, none of these guys are getting schwasty faced on Saturday night before race and all that good stuff. Right. We could not, I'm not talking so much about that as I think that the difference in driving a, um, fully naturally aspirated car manual gearbox, um, with truly no driver's aids, um, to today where there are still technically no driver's aids, but you have DRS, you have, um, you know, a, a huge computer screen in front of you that tells you there's yellow flags out, what temperature your tires are messages, you know, different driving modes. Like, I think that that is largely even, you know, go back to the V8 era, right? They're their transmissions were different. They didn't have nearly the amount of technology and sensors and ability to talk and see what was going on in real time. Most of the time it's just the driver out there making decisions. Yeah. I mean, you look at the beginning of Michael Schumacher's career in the nineties, the things that he had to do to go up against Cinna was crazy, right? Like it wasn't like it is today. And I think that be, I'm not saying that for better or worse. I kind of miss the pureness of that. I, I wish they still had, manual transmissions in some part of me, but I understand the technology leaps and bounds of having what they do. But like, I think that the technology package is so different that you can't compare the two. Yeah, I I agree because, you know, a lot of people always, they, they, they ask that, is this person the greatest ever? And like you said, you just can't. And even if, you know, you get Michael Schumacher, you'd be like, Oh, I put him in today's car. It's like, well, he's gonna, he's got a large learning curve. You know, even if you gave the man an iPhone, would he be able to work that? Like, and let alone a Formula One car. Um, so, yeah, I think there's no way to compare. Yeah, you see, like, if you've ever watched. No. And, and I mean, you watch like those qualifying laps, how many adjustments on that steering wheel those drivers make in a single fast lap, yeah. changing the brake points, changing the biases, changing like they're making so many adjustments. And then you go back to Prost and Senna and Nikki Lauda, where. You had a naturally aspirated engine turning 18,000 RPM <laughs> in a manual transmission, and it was you in the car. Pure driving. Like, it was, I, I think it was very, yeah, I, I think it very different times and uncomparable. Okay, well, on that, who is the greatest driver of all time? <laughs> <laughs> Oof. 
I wasn't ready for that question. <laughs> we can't compare. I'm going know. to go with Nicholas Latifi. The GOAT. Oh, Nicky boy. The GOAT. The GOAT himself. Can't compare. Nicholas Latifi. Boom. All right. So those I only had the two unpopular opinions. Did you have any others? I've got I've got two more. One's not, you know, my Mick Schumacher is not his dad. True. I think a lot of people would agree with that. He's he's clearly not. And I don't think it's that unpopular of an opinion. The Schumacher name is really hard to not see though, but he's not his dad. That would be like if Lewis um, had a son. And then the only other, and then he came in. Yeah. Like, I mean, everyone's probably seen the Netflix documentary on Schumacher and how he came up, like, quite different. Yep. Um, and the other one I had is F1 is a European sport that the U.S. will eventually take over. Oh, without a doubt. I, I feel that the U.S., once we get our hands on something, we're it's it's a wrap. Like, we're going to take, once we fully embrace well, it. Well, we have the population, we have the money, yep. we have the ability to, and you watch already the steep climb, like it's a European sport through and through. I think everyone would agree with that. How long it will stay a pure European sport is up for debate yep. though. I definitely agree. And it's, it's coming. The time's coming. We've already got three races and with the, actually we've got three races here. We've got the Canadian race. We've got the Mexico race and you know, it's coming. All right. So, this is pretty interesting. I did not expect the response that I got when I posted that on Facebook about the unpopular opinions. And it was just like immediate as fast as like the, the responses yeah. start coming in. And some of them, some of them were pretty good. Some of them weren't. So let's go over some of these and then we'll give our, our take on, on, you know, how we feel about it. So the first one that I want to do is from Carl DeWitt. It says half the drivers on the grid don't belong in F1. Overall natural talent skill set is on the decline. I don't know if I agree with that in in totality. I don't either. I think there's drivers on the grid that don't belong. Well, yeah, even But I think there's always drivers on the grid that don't belong. You're never going to have a field of Max Verstappen. Yeah. And then, you know, to be fair though, you will get drivers that perform really well in some of the junior formulas like Formula Two champs, or at least like, you know, second or third place in the championship. And then they get to Formula One and they just can't compete, like Nicholas Satifi, for instance, right? And then you get other drivers yeah. that don't really perform that well. Well, I'm thinking of Nikita Mazepin. He didn't perform very well and <laughs> he didn't perform well in F1 either. But there are drivers. Mazespin. <laughs> oh, Mazespin. But there are drivers that they don't perform as well and then they get their shot and they're able to, you know, get it together in F1. You know, I think a lot of that, it's very subjective and you don't know until they get into the car. So to say half the drivers don't belong, I don't necessarily agree with that. Well, I mean, you look back at the history of like the pay driver, like pay driver is not even an insult anymore. It used to be a thing. Yeah. Like it was a bad, people literally buying a seat into F1 that really didn't deserve to be there at all. Like, I think there's always been, I wouldn't say that talent's on the decline. I would say... Uh, honestly, I wouldn't say talents on the decline. I'd say the technology advancements of the car is so steep that some drivers just struggle with. Yeah, it. for sure. I definitely agree with that. All right. So here's one that I thought was pretty interesting from Andrew Kurganevin. Although the COVID year was one of the best ever, or no, I thought the COVID year was one of the best ever because some of the tracks were either new to F1 or in a different season. So I guess, you know, instead of being in the fall, it was in the spring. Um, but it just meant that everyone was learning as they went 
They should try to race on at least five new tracks every year. I, I like that. I totally agree with him. I also think 2021 was a, you know, a little bit skewed um, because of the driver championship yeah. and how close it was. It made it a lot more fun, but I totally agree with him. It was so much fun what, getting different race tracks. What about 2020? You remember that when they, they took off forever and then they came back in the summertime. First couple races, there was no fans, but there was some new tracks yeah. that came on. Um, so yeah, there was, and I mean, that's where Zanbort came from. Like we have new tracks that are still on the, because they were so popular. Yeah, yeah I agree. So, I, yeah, I, I agree. like that because it, it almost gets to a point where, and you, you hear them talk about it in the commentary all the time. Like the teams have so much data on the tracks. Like at, at that point, it's like, it kind of takes the, the guesswork out of it. Um, I love mm-hmm. it when they get to a new track and it's like all the teams are figuring it out together. Um, and kind yeah. of on the whole COVID thing, I was really excited for the Vietnam Grand Prix, which apparently is yeah, never going to happen now. That track looked insane. It did. It did. All right. I got one that you sent that I think is a very unpopular opinion to include with myself. I don't know. Let's agree hear it. it. Botas in a Ferrari and or Red Bull will be at least a two times world champ. No. I totally disagree. I, I don't think so. He... We've talked about it. He's a great number two, and he's there to pick up the pieces and to pick up wins, you know, when Lewis wasn't able to. But I don't know. He does. He was in the best car out there against Lewis Hamilton, and Lewis left him 200 points in the dust every year. Yeah. Like, so read that one again. It says Botas in a Ferrari slash Red Bull will be at least a 2x world champ. Okay, so that's assuming that it's in the same time frame when Lewis was at his most dominant and that he would be able to take that car and, and defeat Well, let's Lewis. call it moving forward then. Let's say projection forward. If he did not go to Alpha Tauri, I'm sorry, Alpha Romeo, if he went to Red Bull this past him year, and Checo would he have competed against Max? I don't... Yeah, him and Checo I, I still see it being the same. He would have been fighting for second place with Charles Leclerc. Yeah. And, you know... The whole time. Would he have been able to pass Charles Leclerc on that last, you know, last lap? I don't know. I, I don't agree. No, I, I don't disagree so. with that one. I don't agree. Hold on. I got a really good one here from Eric Grondin. <laughs> Nicholas Latifi should be given a second chance with Ferrari. <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> Oh, uh, no. I'm going to call now. <laughs> Hard pass. Not at all. Nicholas Latifi should go back to, I don't know, racing at the damn Formula 2. There you go. Bumper cars. All right, I got one. What do you got? And I kind of have to agree with this one. Steiner is an awful team principal. He's just popular because he's funny on Drive to Survive. Totally agree. He is funny. I definitely agree with that. You know, a bunch of He's fucking wankers. <laughs> so I agree with that. I, I I don't know if I see enough of him as a team principal because it is Haas. And, you know, you see, you always see Christian Horner, Total Wolf. Um, and then to a lesser extent, as you go down the grid, you see less and less of the personnel. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know. I don't know if there's enough to really base that off of, but kind of, you know, the team hasn't been or hasn't been moving up the grid. And I think that, you know, it kind of starts at the top. So, yeah, maybe he's not the best team principal. I don't think he's a great one. and Maybe not a terrible one. Maybe he's not awful, but he is definitely not a Toto. No. He's not a Zach. He's not a Christian. Not my favorite, but 
He's not. He is entertaining. He's entertaining, though. He's definitely like that. <laughs> All right, here's one for you from Andy Matthews. Okay. If Lando Norris had a similar machinery, he would – if Lando Norris had similar machinery, he would challenge both Max and Lewis. I think on occasion, yes. I, I, I don't think that his racecraft is there yet. But I think in a few years, definitely he would be. And I think if anybody was going to challenge them in similar machinery, it would be him. And so I, I agree. I'm a huge Lando Norris fan. I think he's the future of Formula One. I've said that before. Um, so I, I, I slightly agree. Slightly agree with that one. All right. This one's, this one's going to be worth talking about. I like this one. Not because I agree with it. I just think it's going to make for a fun conversation. All right. From Ramsey Hajaj, Hajaj, H-A-J-A-J, Hajaj. A quarter of the grid would have more trophies than Lewis if they joined Mercedes when Lewis did. Ooh, shots fired. Thousand percent disagree. Not at all. I do not agree with that one. I, I a quarter of the grid. Okay, so let's let's say who's a quarter of the grid. You got five drivers. Five drivers. So what five drivers are better than Lewis Hamilton on the grid right now? I mean, last year you could say Max, Max maybe, but if you know joining when Lewis the Hamilton consistency joined, consistency of Lewis. When did Lewis join? Oh seven. I was just say oh seven. I think it was still V eight era. I just that was when Fernando Alonso was with Renault, winning back to back world yep. champs. You had Raikkonen. Lewis was with McLaren and then went to Mercedes. Yeah, Raikkonen won. He was in. Lewis was there the four years that Vettel crushed with Red mm -hmm. Bull. And then right after that turbo hybrid era, Lewis came to the forefront. But until this year, to include Lewis's rookie season, he has won a race every single right. year. Not another driver on the grid that can really come yeah. for 16 years straight. I'm going to have to severely disagree with this gentleman. Yeah. You, sir, are wrong. I, uh, it, the way Lewis is... Racecraft is love him or hate him. The dude can race. Like, oh, for no sure. One's business, like no one's business. That guy's especially this year in a in a less in a lesser car. Man, it's been fun watching. Yeah, him. yeah. So I, man, yeah, I don't agree with that. I, I've seen myself also becoming a Lewis fan as of late, and I don't, I don't agree. All right. Daniel Ricardo is the most overrated driver in recent times. He is only popular amongst new drive these new drive to survive slash USA fans because of his childish attitude. Who said that? <laughs> who who said it? I want names. Vatsalvora. Vatsalvora, you are incorrect. Oh, he is a thousand percent correct. He's, he's slightly correct. <laughs> He is totally correct. <laughs> Everybody, including myself, love him because I feel like I can relate with Daniel. I feel like him and I, like, over a beer would just have the best time ever. Um, and as of... We just now need to pin up the picture of him after Coda, completely crestfallen, <laughs> defeated, depressed, with a handlebar mustache. <laughs> he should have he went to the bathroom and shaved that off before that. It, it's, it's such a, what's the word, a juxtaposition, right? You've got his like, goofy-looking face and then just the tears and sadness. It's like, I want to I feel you. I want to I like, pat you on the back, but I also just want to laugh at how You want to feel and rub him? Uh, I would. He, 
Watzel, it's an unpopular opinion, but you are correct. Oh man, yeah. All right, all right. So here's here's one I did want to go over, which I thought was pretty interesting. Right, um, this one from Joanna Jakubuek. Leclerc is not good enough for Ferrari, is what she said. And then Giles Kendrick said, no, 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 the other way around. So basically saying that, you know, Ferrari is not good enough for for Leclerc. And then somebody else came on and was like, at this point in his career, I think it's obvious that Charles has easily outperformed the team. You know, I, I think we've seen it time and time again. Like Ferrari has let him down. This year, Ferrari let him down. And I know it's yeah. got to be frustrating. Yeah, I, I completely agree with whoever rebuttaled and said Ferrari doesn't deserve Leclerc because that's I think that's a true statement. I don't think Leclerc should go anywhere else. I think Leclerc in Ferrari right now is the best place that he can be. But Ferrari absolutely let him down. Yep. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't know. I don't know where else he could really go or he would be able to go. I think he's just got to wait and hopefully work along with the team to get them up to where they need to be to actually fully support him properly. Yeah, I I completely agree. All right. So Scott Newman, I'm just going to fire off a couple of Scott's here. Okay. Make is massively underrated, underrated champion in making. Okay. Okay. Ocon is overrated. He beat Alonzo due to multiple DNFs on Alonzo's behalf. And he had loads. I consider I being Scott. So Scott considers, Russell, average, yet to be convinced. Hmm. Stroll is not good enough. Sorry, mate. (laughs) FIA for sure need to be more equal and consistent. They are often persuaded, which annoys the hell out of me, and it's unfair. Kind of general and vague, but can think of examples there. This one, I think this one's interesting. I don't like DRS. Gives so many easy overtakes and takes away from the skill of racing. The good ones make those risky dives and not on the straight with a Batmobile DRS system. Okay. All right. So let's, uh, this should be pretty quick. Let's go down those. These should and, be. First one, Mick is massively underrated. Uh, yet to be seen. Massively. He shouldn't say massively. Yeah. He is probably underrated, but yet to be seen. Yeah. And that's, yeah, to be determined in my opinion. We'll see what happens going, going forward in the future. Ocon is overrated which we've discussed in previous episodes. Fernando was way better, but also had way more DNFs. That's the only reason Ocon. Beat yeah. Him. I don't know who is overrating Ocon. I haven't heard many people just praising him for his driving ability. I think he's rated pretty accurately. He's not that good. Good, uh, good midfield exactly. driver yeah. for Alpine. Number yeah. two. Russell is average. I disagree there. I don't. Yeah, I think Russell is an absolute world champion in the making. Yeah, it's going to take some luck and a little bit of you know other parts, but to do what he did this year, you're above. Yeah, I agree. Russell, Russell's good. I don't really particularly care for him, but he's good. Stroll is not good enough. Sorry, mate. We've already talked about this. FIA needs to be more equal and consistent, and they are persuaded. I mean, uh, you got. I need examples. I can see that. Can, I mean, there's been a ton of examples this year alone where it's like, in one hand, they will dish out a penalty or make a certain call, and then you know, when it's somebody else, they won't. And you know, there's been mm-hmm. you know, at least with Gasly and him getting on with his points. Yes, say Gasly. Yeah, Gasly's like almost to the max on points, and it seems like the more points he got, the more lenient they got with him. 
Explain the point system. A lot of people don't probably know. So what that is. I think it's what you get twelve penalty points basically on your license in one calendar year, and then you start getting race bans. So you get a you know whatever the race ban is. Um, so for Gasly, he's I don't know exactly how many points, but he's close 10, 11 points, something like that. And the thing yeah. with Gasly is he's had a lot of issues, and he's moving to a new team next year. He's going to um, uh, Alpine. No. Where's Gasly going? Yeah. yeah, Alpine, right? Gasly's going to Alpine. Okay, yes. It's all French drivers. Right, exactly. The French car. Oh, wee oui, wee. Oui. So once he gets there, <laughs> <laughs> once he gets to Alpine, those points are still going to carry over. So the first like quarter or third of the season, he still has those points. So if he has any mistakes, yeah. you know, he's got a teammate that apparently doesn't really get along with that, you know, so the fireworks might, you know, kind of go off there. You know, if he goes up against, could be it could be very entertaining. Um, we might see a, a French fight on the on the track, but we'll see what happens. But yeah, they just throw croissants at each other. Oh, <laughs> uh. <laughs> okay. What else we got? All right, last one. I don't like DRS. Gives too many easy t- overtakes. <sighs> That's the thing, though. That is what is entertaining, and it brings its own level of complexity with DRS trains, with the way Leclerc and Max at the beginning of the year were fighting for who crossed the detection zone right. first. I like DRS. It boggles my mind that so many drivers for so long didn't have it and had to had to overtake the hard way, which I totally agree. DRS makes things easier, but it makes it way more entertaining. Well, so. I also think it was kind of like a, a product of the cars at the times. Uh, at the time, right? Because they had to be so much faster than the car in front of them to pass. And back then, the 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 bad air coming off the back of the car, it really affected the car behind it. So you couldn't follow. So you kind of had to have that to get by. Be interested to see, you know, moving forwards, if they continue to improve these cars so you don't have all that dirty air coming off the lead car. Maybe they'll get to a point where they'll be like, hey, we don't need DRS anymore. But no, I don't ever see that happening. From the pure business side and the entertainment yeah. of bringing spectators, the DRS yeah. is. I've heard people say that it, it's very gimmicky, um, but you know, I kind of enjoy it. I, I like the DRS. It, it adds another layer of strategy, you, in my opinion. You remember the race where Max's DRS wasn't working? Yep. And he had like at one point half a flap would only yep. open or no flap or he was losing his mind at the team <laughs> screaming at them. And Sergio was wanting to pass him because he had DRS and Max was being typical Max and being like, no, yep. nothing Sergio <laughs> by. All right, let's uh, we got time for one more, I think. It's on you. you it's yours. All right. This one kind of interesting. I'd, I'd like to see, you know, what your take is. I haven't looked up the stats which would be interesting to see if the uh, statistics support this theory. But Paul Trollove said that Ricardo has lost his mojo since the Grosjean incident. Basically, you know, I saw that. What was that? 2020? That was 2020, right? Yeah. So Grosjean, for those who who don't remember or don't know, Grosjean, I can't remember the track, but basically um, spun off the road and went into the barrier. The car wedged under the barrier, immediately caught on fire. Um, it was one of those. The halo saved his life. Did. He would have been decapitated. There, when you saw, like, the way the car went into that barrier, if halo wasn't there, that would have been his head just gone. Yeah, and then the car caught on fire. So if he would have lost consciousness and not been able to rescue himself by, you know, undoing the belts and climbing out, he would have burned alive. Because um, the, mm-hmm. the, the track personnel, the marshals couldn't get to him because of the fire. 
Um, so he was able to get out. He burned his hands. He still has scars on his hands. But basically, this guy is saying that that incident kind of shook Daniel Ricardo. Um, like I said, I'd like to see the re- the stats before and after. You know how he was doing. Um, I don't know if, if it. I don't know if I agree with that because he's still aggressive. He's still done some aggressive moves. So I, I don't know if I yeah, fully agree. I, I would. That'd be interesting, like you said, to look into the stats on it. Um, I don't really see that shaking a race car driver like right. Daniel Rick. Um, I mean, you look at some of the incidents that he's been in. I mean, Grosjean's was pretty horrible. I mean, but so was Grosjean used this year at Silverstone where he flipped up upside down and ended up in the fence. Like, that was pretty there, – there's been some bad wrecks. Like, I don't see – that shaking a driver, I think they all kind of go to a happy place in their brain that that'll never happen to them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I, I'd almost say if that was a turning point, it's more due to coincidence than than uh, actual core like right. reason. Yep, um, I agree. I think Danny's gone downhill just because he's not been in a car that suited his driving style. He's had a teammate that way outdrove him, and he's just lost his. Mojo. Yeah, like you said, he's lost that love and feeling. He's lost that. Hopefully, love he'll feeling. find it back this year. Another here's something interesting. I was reading a story saying that this year is slotted to actually be his most lucrative year, um, just because his salary from Red Bull, which is it was either two or three million dollars U.S. dollars um, for his reserve driver role, plus the McLaren salary that he's getting paid of like twenty one or twenty two million dollars, so he's still making a ton of money this year. Um, so yeah. hopefully he'll be able to rekindle that, that fire that he had for formula one. I want to see him back on that the love and feeling sometimes. Yeah. You just need a little bit of money and time off sometimes. Um, well, awesome. Great. Unpopular opinions. Um, please write in, tell us more, tell us what you think. Um, there's always more and we'll happily discuss them. Just blast your name all over the internet and what your opinion is. So be careful. If you're right or wrong. Whether you're right or wrong, because we're obviously never wrong. That's why we're here. <laughs> you can't just obviously. buy a camera and start a podcast. Like you have to be qualified. <laughs> 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 yeah, that, yeah, so, uh, uh, yeah, totally. Um, all right, so let's see. Next week, so we're still kind of on the Christmas break, waiting for New Year's. Um, I think next week. Start of 2023 would be a great podcast. I think we're going to cover new rules for F1 in 2023, tire changes, um, all kinds of stuff. Super interesting. Um, whole podcast on what to expect differently in 23. Um, and we'll keep yeah, going. We've got some uh, driver, or I'm sorry, some car launches coming up. So far, we've got Aston Martin mm-hmm. has been confirmed for February 13th. And Ferrari has been confirmed for February 14th. So those are going to start coming out soon. So we'll be able to talk about some of these cars. Um, Yeah, so it's going to be a good time. So I'm excited for the next one. Do a little bit more of a technical talk about some of those regulation changes. Yeah, I'm excited for that. I love that stuff. So until then, stay classy. Stay classy. If you're watching this on YouTube and you like what you're seeing, make sure you like and subscribe. Share it with at least one person. If you're listening to us on audio and you like what you're listening to, make sure you give us a five-star rating and share it with at least one person as well. Other than that, I think that's all we got, Dylan. That's all we got. All right. We'll we'll take care. We'll see you next time. time.